0: Remember an uh, interview with the Rodellies, who were a German trapeze family, and uh, they, uh, they were talking to the flyer, and the flyer's the one who you know, goes on the trapeze and then lets go and then twists and twirls and um, flips, and then is caught by the catcher, who's the guy that you know just sort of swings back and forth uh, upside down, you know, and just goes back and forth and lets the flyer do their thing and then catches him. And uh, the interview asked the, the flyer, you know, well, you know, how do you get caught? You know, how does that work? And he said, oh, you never get caught. If you try to get caught, you're going to mess things up. You've just got to fly and let the catcher catch you. You've just got to trust that the catcher will catch you. And as we walk through the high life with Jesus, and today focusing on how that high life is found in and with and only in and with Christ, we'll struggle as well with the Colossians of why, of how we want to try to get caught instead of simply being caught in the loving embrace of Christ. Because it is something within us as humans. We want to add something to what we can achieve. We want to somehow find something that that we can add to our salvation. That somehow we make up for our evil and sin and brokenness within us. And we can't. There is nothing we bring in order to earn or achieve or add a single iota to the forgiveness we have in Christ Jesus. It is that complete, that full, and His power is that great. I propose to you that part of the reason we want to add something is because we really don't believe in that power of Christ. And it is the greatest response of creation to receive that powerful grace and love. To simply receive it from Him. And what we'll see in Colossians here, as we we look at this here in a moment, is that Paul um, is... uh, Speaking to the church in Colossae, it's a church he's never visited before, but as he would do, he would write letters to the churches. And, and there were people and teachers in Colossae that were adding something to what was necessary to be fully received into the church, to be fully received into the, the work of Christ. And what he says is, There is nothing to add. It is Christ and Christ alone that we find, that we live the high life. Now, uh, this is going to be one of those uh, sermons where we're going to walk through line by line uh, to see what Paul is saying, because it's pretty dense here, uh, what um, he is saying. But yet, I think really important for us to have this, this solid foundation of how we are uh, rooted in Christ, how we're established um, in Him, and that He and only He is our foundation um, in, in life and with God. So, we'll start with verse 8, um, found on page 957 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. And, and as often the case, we've done this uh, before looking through Colossians, there are some phrases uh, or words uh, that really highlight his, his point. And so as we're looking through here, just listen to the times that he says, in him or with him. And we'll, we get the, the real flow and point of what uh, Paul is, is telling us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, thank you for uh, your written word and, and speak to us through it, through your living word who, who lives within us. Let us hear um, from you, each of us and us together. Let's hear what we need to hear. Um, uh, do bring a, a word of, of correction. What are ways that we've added stuff to what Jesus has already done? And help us set those aside. Um, uh, help us to, to find truly what we've been singing. Our our hope, our life, and all that we are in Christ and Christ alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Um, chapter 2, starting with uh, verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in Him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In Him, Also, you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with Him in baptism, you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Him when He forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing triumphing over them in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Let's just just walk um, through uh, this. Look at uh, verse 8 again. Uh, The uh, beginning. Again, the warning. What we were saying. See to it that no one takes you captive. Through the the stuff of human tradition. Through the, the... the philosophizing of of humans through the empty deceit even that that comes, according to sort of the basic principles of the world, all things that were going on in Colossae that are a warning. Some of those things are bad, some of them aren't bad, but they are bad in their results when they take precedence over Christ. We're to be captive to Christ. And to be careful that we're not captive to any of the other things that can take us captive. Whether it's the American dream, whether it's the Presbyterian way of doing things, or our Cincinnati flair. Let us not be captive to anything but to Christ. And that's what was happening then and is, as we'll see, an active, organized Forces that are at work trying to take us captive away from Christ. All right, so verse 9. The first in him. Did you see the in hims and the with hims? In hims start here. So now we are in him. Uh, and, and in him, in Christ, it, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have come to that fullness in him. See, there's the high life. I mean, this is it. In Christ. He wants, this is a real dense um, statement here that Jesus Christ is the bodily form of the divine God. I mean, all divinity is in him in bodily form. So, this one thing this tells us is that Jesus brings life, and he brings life to the body to our bodily existence. It's not a sense that that Christ is about just the spiritual stuff, the the esoteric stuff, or the stuff that comes later. It's now, fully in bodily form, God dwells. So he leads us, he shows us the way of the, the high life. We come to fullness in Him. And then the last phrase, who is the head of every ruler and authority? So it's not just body, but also spirit. You know The, the language in this letter about ruler and authority, he's not talking about presidents. He's not talking about pharaohs. He, he's talking about spiritual powers. And he's talked about it before, and he'll talk about it even later as we get to it, that he is the head, the source, of every spiritual power that exists, every ruler and authority. So Christ, there is nothing beyond him in body or in spirit. He has the fullness of life in body and soul. All right, next uh, verse then, verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision... By putting, off the body of the, by, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, this is a you know, rather difficult land to uh, walk through, but we'll do it. Circumcision in the Old Testament was a sign of God's people being loyal to God it was a sign of them of their um, receiving the the promise of God and it was a way that was shown for the males that the foreskin of their genitalia was cut off practice that word genitalia Um, (laughs) it was cut off and so that part of the flesh was removed from them and Paul is now using that as a metaphor today to say now that fleshly part of you, that part of you that is evil, that part is that is prone away from God, that part is not part of what God would have you do. That is cut off and removed from you in a spiritual circumcision that is real for everyone who is in Christ. And then we're circumcised with him, then we are Buried with him in baptism. Now, circumcision, baptism, the, the New Testament sign of that entrance into the kingdom. When we're baptized, when we're, when we're immersed, then we are buried with Christ. I have a, a, a friend who, who uh, likes to say, you know, our baptismal fonts should be coffins. Showing that we we are buried with Christ and we die with Him. And then we are also raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. So the God who bodily dwells in Christ is the one who in His power raised Christ from the dead. He was in body, really. He was dead, really. His heart stopped beating. His brain stopped flowing. His blood, his blood stopped flowing in its veins. He was dead. And then in the power of God, Christ, the Son of God, was raised to new life. And in that same power, if we are in Christ and with Christ, we are raised to through We are raised with Him. And our response is simply the faith that God's power is at work. This power that in the spiritual circumcision is greater than sin. Greater than the, the evil sin that is within me and you. It's power greater than sin. It is greater than death even. And if we are in Christ and with Christ, then that power is at work in me and you. All right. Next, uh, next verse. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, you see, he's talking to Gentiles here, talking to people who were not Jewish. So they weren't circumcised um, in the flesh and they weren't circumcised in the spirit. So they, in a sense, were doubly dead, um, whereas at least those that were Jewish were at least circumcised in the flesh. We'll, we'll get to that. All right, that's what he's said. So he's talking to the Gentiles, saying, you were dead. You were doubly dead. You know, and you know, we use the word trespasses. You know that's sort of like, well, that means I walked over, I'm trespassing on somebody's land, you know? It's sort of a weak word to say, no, I'm evil. I am selfish. And I am prone to do what I want to do and not what God wants me to do. And that separates me from God. Worthy of God's wrath. Worthy of God's judgment. We were dead. But God made us alive together with Him. The, the, the power of the unity that we have in Christ. Through faith, the only, the only response of the people that Paul's mentioned in these paragraphs now is through faith, believing, trusting what God has done. God has made us alive together with him. And, and again, so we're in Christ, we're with Christ, and when he forgave us, another word for forgave there, it's also a word used to mean destroy. When he destroyed all of our trespasses, all of the evil that we have done, all the ways that we, are, that we deserve judgment and God's wrath, those are destroyed. He has erased not only the things we've done, the record that stands against us, and even the law itself that tells us what we did was wrong. He set it all aside, nailing it to the cross. The sin and and evil, the the penchance within us to do what we want to do instead of what God wants to do. The penchance within us, the 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 natural inclination to be in here and to say, you know, I do I like to evaluate a worship service instead of gathering and saying, God, would you evaluate me? When we, we gather to say, you know, is that song moving me, or is that song leading me to Christ? See the distinction? Is it about Christ or about me? All that. All of that that selfish evil he has put aside, He has destroyed it, erased it all, even the stuff, He's even erased the key to the test. I mean, it's gone. All our wrong answers and all the right answers that tell us they're wrong, they are erased. For us as humans, when we think about this, the, the, the way of evil, that which is selfish, that which is characterized by lust or, or greed, uh, that is where, where we use people for our own goals, or times where we're a wimps, that we have no courage. We don't stand up for anything except to get out of trouble. We run at every conflict that we can, we lie and cheat to get out of them. We pursue sex for our own pleasure, and then when we don't get what we want, we're loath and self-pity. Have addictions of every kind of the world creative we are. And we pursue the American dream instead of pursuing Christ's dream. We desire that our children be safe and that they be well-educated. Oh, and it would be nice if they know Jesus too. And we are so characterized by arrogance and pride that we take time and look at others so as to compare ourselves, to make ourselves look good, to justify ourselves. I may not be perfect, but I don't look like him or her. All these things. And you know what? I only thought about these because I thought about myself. You might have other ones. That apply for you. But as I looked at myself and thought. How are all the ways that I pursue me. Instead of Jesus. Let me name them. Let me write them. Let me put them on that cross. And watch him erase them. And destroy them. Because that's his power. Over sin. And over death. In my life. And in your life too. You'll simply name them. This is a place to name and claim. Amen. Yeah. That forgiveness of Jesus. It, and it helps, helps to be personally honest with yourself. So that you then can be shocked. When not only the wrong answers, but the key are destroyed. Alright, next, next verse. Because it doesn't stop there. Just not only does he d- destroy um, sin, as he, he's more powerful than death. But th- get this, he's now more powerful than any other power um, in, in the entire universe. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Now remember what I said about uh, rulers and authorities. He's not talking about presidents or pharaohs or governors or anything. He's talking about spiritual powers. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about demons. He's talking about those powers that are personally at work in my life and your life to try to get a hold of your heart, to somehow dissuade you, somehow take you away from Christ. And it's those powers that now get, this is what he did, he makes a, I mean, this is crazy, that on the cross, as he's dying and bleeding with a thorn of crowns, it is a triumph. He's making a public example of the devil himself from the cross. Jesus isn't saying a word, but he's trash talking the devil. He is triumphing over them. That's crazy, isn't it? This is just a shock after a shock after a shock. How does that work? It's because the the triumph isn't about my forgiveness or your forgiveness. That's a nice byproduct. I'm really glad that that's a byproduct of this. The triumph is that God shows his character even in the face of innocent suffering and death. He shows that God wins because love wins. He shows that God is life and that life wins. He, that's what triumphs. He shows that God is beautiful and that beauty wins. Even on such an ugly occasion as an innocent man, righteous and true, bleeding as a crucifixion to his death. He shows the triumph of good and beauty and his power to not succumb to evil in one iota but to show the power of love his power as we are in Christ and with Christ then we in him in him are made blameless pure irreproachable right and good that's who you are in him that's who we are in Him because of what He has done. When we are with Him, when we've died with Him, we've been raised to this, in the same power of the life that raised Him from the dead is the power at work in us, transforming us, leading us on that trajectory to that day when we see Him face to face, leading us into that transformation. It's that same power at work, power over death, power over sin, and the power over the evil one Himself. now you can see why there's no place for fear as we're following the way of Jesus as we are in him and with him and we're a part really of a parade that Jesus leads it's a parade of grace it's a parade of love it's a parade of righteousness and every time we sing unto him we are joining in that parade that he is leading all right, now, I, I want to just look at the last couple paragraphs here because th- this highlights. I mean, if that's the that's the case, if that's that's the truth. That is what's real. That that we are in Him and with Him, and, and we therefore death has no power over us, sin has no power over us, even the evil one has no power over us because we are in Him and with Him, and because He is so great and powerful. I, I can say it over and over again because I it's just I, I can't get it. You know, it's just beyond me. To to grasp that. And it's so hard to grasp it. We always want to add something to it. Yeah, well, you sure it's just that? I mean, it's what God, what Jesus, what Christ has done on the cross, that's it? Yes. So let's I'm gonna read on the next two chapters or next two um, don't get too worried. Next two paragraphs and just just highlight, just bring out just what what it is and it can get us. All right. Therefore, verse 16, I think it's still up here. Yeah. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or sabbaths. Alright? Now you see, you see what he's saying is we add this kind of stuff. This was definitely being added in, in their day. Um, the uh, there there were religious rituals where some of the stuff that was that was being added, they were being added back, especially the festivals, the, the food and the festivals and and the Sabbath stuff. Now, those things aren't bad. Those things, as a matter of fact, God commanded some of those things. Now, in Christ, they're completed. They're done. They're part of the stuff that's erased and, and washed away. But they still have good stuff. There's good stuff to have festivals, you know, like Christmas and Easter. It's good stuff to have Sabbath. Matter of fact, I'd say it's necessary to practice Sabbath, to take rest. As we're, that's how we were created. You know, that's, That goes back to even um, before the fall uh, that we uh, take that kind of, of Sabbath rest. But that is not to be added to who we are in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for us. The, the religious rituals are only there to help point us to Christ. To help you and I continue to grow in him and live into who we are in Him. All right. <clears throat> They're only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Yeah, He keeps coming back to that. You sort of get that. You get the point now. I mean, he, the substance belongs. Everything is about pointing us to Christ. <clears throat> Uh, Then verse 18, do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows with a growth that is from God. So two things, religious rituals and also sort of spiritual disciplines, uh, physical disciplines, things uh, that were were going on, self-abasement, things like fasting or higher levels of worship. Uh, there was an idea in Colossae, this one got an idea about was about worshiping of angels. You know, God is so high, so holy, lifted up, there's no way we could ever really access him directly, so we've got to go through the angels. No. I mean that was that's not prominent today, but at least among us, directly like that. But that's what's going on then what that does tell us is there there are no spiritual disciplines no physical things that we do in order to bring us closer to god i mean we are in christ and with christ and there's no in in or with with there's no double order i mean that is it that is who we are in him Religious rituals or severe, or physical disciplines, spiritual disciplines, the, the human effort in order that, that we can add to that, all of that does not add one iota to being made right with God. But we can fall into those habits of saying we have to, of giving a re, what, what Jesus abolished, the law, uh, we are we so quick to make a new one. You know, that, that, that tells us uh, you know, how we're supposed to vote. Or tells us how we're supposed to dress. Tells us how we're to, to worship. You know, th- those laws, we put them down when it comes to being in Christ and with Christ. And the, the purpose of the religious rituals, the purpose of the, the spiritual disciplines... The purpose of things like fasting is not in any way to add to what Christ has done but is to help us in our weakness direct our attention to the one who is the substance of life and life to the full. Christ is not an add-on or a supplement or just a start he is the beginning middle and end. He is the sustenance, and He is what what we just read. He is what nourishes us and what holds us together. He supplies us and unites us. Now, all the the things of of prayer and spiritual disciplines and gathering and worship and all those things are really important. The the festivals, they're, they're really important as they point us to Him, but only as they point us to Him. And it's important we get that before next week because next week is going to start talking about Well, these are what we do in order to walk with Christ, meaning transformed in Christ. We've got to be sure we don't put those things in the place of Christ. They are only there to point us to Him. There is no hierarchy of Christians. We're on different stages in our maturity in Christ, but we are in Christ and with Christ. Sin, death, and the evil one, therefore, has no power. So, the stuff that we talk about in the next verse, the new life we have in Christ, is there to point us to Him, to live into the trajectory of our life as holy, blameless, and pure in Him. What I want us to do then is close with our memory verse for this week, which is the first verse of the next chapter. Which is uh, um, so the beginning of Colossians three, because this this then if this is true, if we are in Christ with Christ, we He has overcome. Because we are in Him, then therefore we sin and death and the evil one has no power over us. Well, then what does happen next? Colossians three one through four. So let's say this together. So. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We have been brought into life, brought from death into life, in and, and with Christ. That you have, have seen the, the, the evil within us, the selfish tendencies within us, are our own arrogance. And you have wiped it all away, destroyed it. We, we rejoice. We give you thanks. We receive from you. We trust. We believe. And we want to believe. Help our unbelief. Continue to be at work in us to grow us into the people that we are. Free us from the fear of sin. Free us from the fear of death. Fear us, free us from the free of the evil one. We pray for one another. That we might grow into the the fullness of who we are in you. Show us ways that that we put other things in in the the way of of following Jesus and him alone. that, That the other important secondary things somehow become primary. Lord, help us see those. Show them to us. Remove them. And the renewing of our mind help us set those aside that we might find our sustenance, might find our unity in you and in you alone. And gracious God, we rejoice for that we know the, the power of, of death, the power of sickness, that, that it's gone in us. And so we, we lift up one another to you. We pray above all else, those who, who face disease and illness, have nothing to fear. No matter what tomorrow holds, They have nothing to fear in you because in you, with you, they are secure. Now, it's true for each of us. Lord, we pray particularly, though, for, for Vivian McCracken, for, for Charles Davis, for Evelyn White, for Jenny Mutters, for Donna Pessinger, for, for Ruth Lemon, for Jane Lott. Lord, we, we pray for your, your hand upon each, each one. We pray for Barbara Houston, who uh, um, had a bad fall yesterday at university hospital. We pray that each one would know and receive and live into the, the fullness of being in you and with you. Lord, we pray as well uh, for our brothers and sisters around the world. We pray particularly for those who seek to follow you in the land of, of Syria, who are in the midst of a civil war, in the, the midst of you know, just millions of refugees being run out of their homes, and, and, and that those who claim to follow you are, are catching particular uh, persecution. But we we pray that in you and with you they will not fear but will continue to to live into the fullness of who they are in you even if it leads to death. For we know that death doesn't separate us from you. That you have shown the power over even death. Lord, we pray that same strength and boldness for ourselves. That we would be a people who, who find our sustenance and our unity in you. Uh, just as uh, for you, you are our source, you are our head. And you are the substance of life. And we long to be for your glory. To be a witness unto you. For, for your glory, and your witness, we long to be your people. Living into that fully. So we, we pray uh, together that you would continue to make us your, your church without walls. Hear us, we pray. Answer us and continue to form us into the people we are in and with Christ. Dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen.